Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Kardashian was just starting to make a name for herself around the world when she met basketballer Chris Humphreys. She didn't know it then, but their stars combining would soon become the juiciest headline of the year. This is Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies retold. Welcome back to Scandal. How are we? We are fabulous. I cannot wait for this one. How are you? I'm pretty good. I am pretty excited to get into this one. I think when we were planning Scandal, this was actually one of the first proper deep dives that we did. And I found this one particularly interesting. I know I mentioned this on our pop culture app, but I think the 72-day marriage of Chris Humphreys and Kim Kardashian is a story everybody knows, but the details underneath it I have found very interesting to uncover. Absolutely. And I'm a massive Keeping Up With The Kardashians fan. I've watched all the seasons and even I felt like when I went back through and I researched this story, I was able to connect dots that I couldn't connect in the moment back then. It's kind of like with hindsight and seeing how things played out. There's a clear picture that I've formed in my brain about exactly what went down in this marriage that I did not know before I researched. Well, I don't think we probably would have been able to do it had 10 years not passed. Like this is the 10th anniversary of that marriage. And I think given there's been so much time, we've been able to connect dots and we will get to those dots in a little bit. I think the first thing I want to start with before we really properly rewind is this story does feel a little bit forgotten in pop culture at the moment. Well, it feels like the Kardashian family has gone through so many different iterations. It almost feels like this happened to a different Kim Kardashian and a different Keeping Up With The Kardashians franchise. The Kim Kardashian of today is extremely sophisticated, quite highbrow in the way she presents. I mean, she's studying to be a lawyer now. So to go back and consider this Kim K feels like a whole other era. It does feel like a whole other era. Let's rewind to 2010, shall we? Let's do it. 
All right, so we are starting in 2010, Mish, and I think you could describe 2010 as Kim Kardashian's breakout year. Like this felt very much like a line in the sand year for Kim. Yeah, totally. Kim was the most famous person in her family at this point and her entire family was actually gaining notoriety and gaining popularity on the whole. Keeping Up With The Kardashians was filming its fifth season and ratings were absolutely booming. They were averaging, get this, 3.7 million viewers per episode in 2010. That was double what they were getting in 2009. Yeah, so huge growth. I mean, the show had only been alive, dare I say, for about three years. So Mm. they haven't been famous for that long. Like three years in the grand scheme of things is not that long. She was 29 years old and not quite the fashion icon (laughs) as we know her today. I think when we picture Kim Kardashian in 2010, we are talking about big statement necklaces, quiffs and ponytails I don't know if you remember them Mish but I was quite partial (laughs) to a little quiff from time to time skinny jeans and stilettos and I felt like these were trends that she was hugely influential in creating and now everybody basically regrets them yeah everyone should go peep our Instagram account at shameless podcast because we've now got a gallery up of all the best Kim K looks from this time in 2010 it was very much the bodycon dress era she loved a bodycon dress she also loved the thick waist belt look which I feel very very happy very glad that we passed that trend and it hasn't come back she also had the massive sunglasses which covered most of her face yeah so we are talking pre-Instagram and pretty much pre-Kardashian empire like the Kardashian as we said, were famous and celebrities, but they certainly weren't that kind of dynasty we know them to be today. This is a time where Kim is ascending to worldwide fame, but isn't quite there yet. And her sisters very much feel like sidekicks. Yeah. She was very much the main player. And I know that sort of has continued to be today, but I do very much think in 2021, Courtney and Chloe have very much created their own brands outside of the family. But at this point, Kim's the main character. The sisters are just the sidekicks. I wonder if you'll agree with me. When I think back to this time, I think I knew there was Kim Kardashian and I liked the show. I kind of knew about it, kind of Googled them. But the Kardashians were one amorphous blob. Whereas like Kim and the sisters who all look just like Kim and have very similar names to Kim. Yeah, well, exactly. And Kendall and Kylie definitely weren't really on the radar as much. Like Kendall was 14 years old. (laughs) Kylie was 12. None of them had their own businesses. They earned money from the show and from endorsement deals. And quite trashy endorsement deals at that. (laughs) That said, those brands that sidled up to Kim Kardashian in 2010 were truly on the money and jumped on the Kim K train at the perfect moment. In 2010, technology website Mashable actually ran an analysis on Twitter because Instagram wasn't (laughs) a thing back then, ran an analysis on Kim Kardashian's Twitter following and found that despite Kim not having the biggest Twitter following, like Ashton Kutcher and Lady Gaga and Britney Spears all had bigger follower counts, she was actually still the most influential. So Kim directed more website traffic per tweet than any other celebrity in the world. So for those small brands to notice that power and partner with her, kind of made them geniuses, even if their products weren't quite genius products. It's interesting because I think the other measure of success in this realm at the time was through domain names like celebrity (laughs) websites, which is hilarious to think about. (laughs) KimKardashian.com became the fastest growing celebrity website in the world. She had in 2010 more than 6 million visitors a month. And I think to put this into perspective, in 2010, news.com.au, which is largely regarded as Australia's biggest online news source, was pulling in just over 5 million monthly unique browsers. So more people across the world were going to Kim Kardashian's websites than Australians were reading news from news.com. What a 
power move, having a personal blog that yeah. is outperforming national news websites. Huge. So in July, I mean, I don't know if this is relevant, but I researched it, so I'll bring it to the table anyway. In July, a wax figure of Kim was unveiled in the New York City branch of Madame Tussauds. A few months later, she published her first book. It was called Kardashian Confidential. You better believe Confidential was spelt with a K. <laughs> that was... Written supposedly alongside Courtney and Chloe. I will posit the theory that this was potentially ghostwritten and they I weren't. I don't even think they would deny that. I don't think they were writing this as a trio. My favourite part about this book was the stand first, which is we love the red carpet, clothes, clubs and big events. And of course, glamming it up. <laughs> I just can't imagine them saying that now, but it did work for their brand at the time. The International Business Times also reported that Kim's 2010 earnings were the highest among Hollywood-based reality stars, estimating them at about US $6 million. So she's earning pretty good cash, but nowhere near the cash that we know she is earning now. So we've covered who Kim is as a public persona. We've covered her business life and her various ventures and how she makes money. What about the men in Kim Kardashian's life? What about her dating history? Yeah, so she has quite a checkered dating history, I won't lie. In January 2000, when she was just 19 years old, she eloped with music producer Damon Thomas, a guy who was 10 years older than her. I actually didn't realise how big of a deal Damon Thomas actually was at this Mm. point. Like he was a Grammy nominated producer. He had worked with the likes of Lionel Richie, Pink, and then some more questionable names like Chris Brown and R. Kelly. But he did also help produce music for movies like The Help, Dreamgirls and Pitch Perfect. Now to say the marriage between Kim and Damon wasn't perfect would be quite the understatement. Kim later admitted that she did go through with this wedding while she was high on ecstasy and then described the marriage to Damon Thomas as something that was both emotionally and physically abusive. For someone as well known as Kim Kardashian, we actually have relatively few quotes about this time, which might be because she finds it so traumatic. But she has said in the past that Damon Thomas encouraged her to get plastic surgery and paid for her liposuction and like a string of cosmetic procedures because he gave her the impression, allegedly, that she wasn't beautiful without that. It's interesting because I think at just 19, it's pretty important to set up what her relationships with men were like at Mm. this point and how her future relationships could potentially be thwarted because of this. They officially divorced in 2004 after filing for divorce the year before. Mm. And after that breakup is finalised, she starts dating people like Ray J, Nick Lachey. Nick Lachey. I think that was quite fleeting though. Yeah, and I think he accused her of setting up pap shots, like only going on a date with him so she could get a paparazzi photo. Apparently she also dated the father of Mariah Carey's children, Nick Cannon. She dated American footballer Reggie Bush. They actually dated for quite a long time. I think it was almost three years and things just happened to simmer. They were both focusing on their careers so didn't spend much time together. She did go on a summer holiday fling with Cristiano Ronaldo, which I feel like is a very mid-noughties aspiration. It feels very mid-noughties. And then in late 2010, just before she began filming a season for one of the Keeping Up spin-offs, which was Kim and Courtney Take New York, Kim spotted someone from a far, Michelle. She was on the sidelines of a basketball court and he was playing on the court. His name, of course, was Chris Humphreys. Chris Humphreys. Unfortunately for old mate Chris, 
He is now known almost exclusively as that guy with the short-lived marriage to Kim Kardashian. But at the point of them meeting, he was a pretty successful basketballer in his own right. He wasn't the best in the world, but he was doing pretty well for himself. He was 25 when he met Kim Kardashian and he had already made a pretty lucrative career in the game. He had played for Utah Jazz, Toronto Raptors and the Dallas Mavericks. His one-year contract with the Jets was reportedly worth eight million dollars which compared to the sporting contracts in Australia is like kilometers away from what our athletes earn oh more than kilometers cities away (laughs) weirdly enough I think my most fun fact about Chris Humphreys is that he was a bit of a freak swimmer when he was younger a bit of Cody Simpson about him at the age of just (laughs) 10 years old Chris Humphreys was setting like national junior freestyle swimming records that wouldn't be beaten for 18 years like he was beating Michael Phelps in the pool at 10 years old yeah, so he was basically like a human slash dolphin. Yeah, a little he was bit. that good. And interestingly, because he was so good in training so much, he ended up getting very burnt out by swimming at like the youngest of ages. Yeah, in 2010, he told People magazine, I was so good at a young age that I got a little burnt out. I also grew up in the Michael Jordan era. For me, I watched basketball and saw it as a challenge. It's hard to stay focused on something when you have a ton of success at a young age. So I picked up basketball a little later and rolled with that. I mean, what a life, picking up just a random sport and also managing to be like professional at it. I think the other thing we very much need to talk about when it comes to Chris Humphreys is that the K thing runs in the Chris Humphreys family too. The K name thing. So Chris Humphreys, I couldn't believe it when I read this because I was like, the stars just aligned when we brought these two people together. Chris Humphreys' sisters are named Kayla and Crystal, both with a K. He told People Magazine, I think my parents thought it was cool and trendy at the time. His parents' names are William and Deborah. (laughs) Quite a disappointing. I wish they were Killiam and (laughs) Kevra. Anyway, it does feel worth noting the height difference. I know it sounds silly, but before we get into the meeting of Kim and Chris, Chris Humphreys is 206 centimetres tall, so he's (laughs) six foot nine. Kim Kardashian is 157 centimetres tall or five foot one. Am I alone in thinking that Kim K would just be taller than that? Like I cannot imagine meeting Kim Kardashian and her being so much smaller than me. I just picture all celebrities as being like pretty tall, tall, statuesque people. No, but she'd be smaller than us and I'm pretty small. (laughs) I mean, it should be worth noting too. And I think as we did with the Lara Bingle episode – It's always important to note how young these people are, Mm. these people that we're talking about. Chris Humphreys was younger than both of us when all of this went down. He was 25. So that's good to keep in mind. But tell me how they met. Well, we have two stories on how they met. We're not quite sure. I'll lay out both stories for you and you can tell me what you believe. How does that sound? That sounds great. All right. Story one. This is the story of how Kim and Chris met according to Camp Kardashian. So apparently Kim saw him on the basketball court expressed to a friend that she wanted to meet him. That friend had connections in the team. So it was like, cool, let's set up a double date with one of his New Jersey Nets teammates who was named Jordan Farmer. And Jordan Farmer does confirm this. He has told the media before, I introduced them in New York and they have come a long way since. They both fit each other. He is a good kid. He is from the country, so he kind of slows it down. And she is fast paced and has a lot of stuff going on. So they kind of balance each other out. That's story one, very wholesome basketball meeting and double date. Story two, according to ye old tabloids. Hit me. If you trust the New York Post, in late 2010, Kim Kardashian was preparing to film a new season of Courtney and Kim Take New York or Kim and Courtney Take New York. 
She really wanted to meet an NBA basketball player. She thought it would be a good storyline for the show. As they were kind of setting up these storylines, she was talking to e-representatives about contacting NBA teams and seeing if any players were interested in dating Kim for the purpose of the show. So according to tabloids, E called the New York Knicks and primarily asked if the Italian star Danilo Gallinari was single. He was single and he was keen to meet Kim but wasn't interested in going on the show. So E! Producers moved on and Mr Chris Humphreys was their next call up. This absolutely sounds like the most plausible thing because it makes sense (laughs) when we're thinking about the timing here – Kim and Courtney Take New York was about to film. I imagine that they were in New York with absolutely zero storylines. They needed her to be dating someone. And it's not that easy probably when you're Kim Kardashian and famous to just sort of like turn up at a basketball game and pick one. Like you're going to get your producers to do the dirty work for you. Well, we know that the way that reality shows work, particularly docu-soap hybrids like Keeping Up or like Kim and Courtney Take New York, the way they work is they get in a writer's room and they kind of plot out each episode for the season before they film. It's not like film crews just watch their entire lives and then try to stitch together storylines after the fact. This stuff is all planned out meticulously before the cameras are even turned on. So it's definitely believable for me at least that this was a set-up storyline I'm not saying that Kim and Chris weren't in love. I'm saying they were set up by the show and then like an arranged marriage, fell in love. Well, exactly. And a lot of people are set up by friends or by family members. Like setups are a thing when it comes to falling in love. So they may well have fallen in love after the setup. When it comes to the courting and the actual engagement, because all of this happened very, very (laughs) quickly. They were papped out initially at some of the biggest celebrity watering holes. They frequented Nobu in Tribeca, Boa Steakhouse in West Hollywood, were photographed at a string of wine bars in New Jersey. And in February at Chris's birthday dinner, Kim met her new boyfriend's parents with apparently roaring success. Yeah, so they met late 2010. They were officially together by February 2011. And in that same month, over Valentine's Day weekend, Kim told the media, Chris just has a really good heart. There has to be trust and honesty and chemistry. If you don't have any of those, it's never going to work. I mean, she's not wrong. But I think <laughs> the thing about this is their courting was so quick. There's not actually that much documented in their first five months together other than a few pap shots and a couple of lines in magazine interviews. I mean, he did debut on Keeping Up on season six, but that premiered on June 12, 2011. So Kim and Chris were actually engaged before he even presented on the show. Which is wild. We were literally playing catch up the entire time that we were watching these two and watching how their relationship kind of ebbed and flowed. So they got engaged in May. And if you read Chris Jenner's 2011 autobiography, which yes, we read it, she did explain the night of that engagement. So she wrote, I had never seen Kim so happy. Everybody started screaming, jumping up and down and crying. It was just a great, great night. Chris did propose to Kim with a custom designed 20.5 carat Lorraine Schwartz diamond ring that literally looked like it would sink you to the bottom of the ocean if you fell in. (laughs) According to The Hollywood Reporter, the ring would typically retail for about $3 million, but Chris got it for a fraction of the price in a sponsorship deal with Schwartz, who does consider herself a longtime family friend of the Kardashians. Yeah. One of my favourite tidbits about the Kim and Chris union was that viewers of Keeping Up With The Kardashians think they saw Kim B proposed to. So the scene we were shown on our televisions was Chris Humphreys on bended knee in Kim's bedroom with four words written in rose petals in front of him that said, will you marry me? And 
for all accounts, that year we were given every impression that that was the legitimate proposal. Kim even spoke to People magazine about the proposal and said, I didn't expect this at all. I was in such shock. I never thought it would happen at home and I never thought now. Chris was pressed on why he got a 20.5 carat ring worth the tune of $3 million and he answered, I just knew I wanted it to be big. But Zara, as we will explore after the break, that story wasn't exactly the most accurate one and we need to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, years later we would find out that that engagement might not be exactly what they told us it was. But first, a word from today's sponsor. All right, Mish, so just before the break, we chatted about the fact that Kim and Chris are engaged. Chris proposes with this big bloody, like, will you marry me and pedal leaves. She's really surprised, really shocked, and there's the world's biggest ring at the centre of it all. Years would pass before we would find out that the proposal we saw was pretty bullshit. I mean, it was a legitimate proposal, but the surprise factor probably wasn't there. Yeah, the proposal we saw on our screens was fake because they were already engaged by the time that proposal was filmed. So we found this out when documents were published in Radar Online a couple of years later during the divorce proceedings. This is the quote that Radar Online published. Kim told Chris how, where and when to propose. It was absolutely no surprise to her whatsoever. First of all, Chris proposed in the middle of the day and he had to do that because it would create better lighting to capture the moment. Kim looked so surprised because she knew it was happening. She was in full hair and makeup as she always is on the show. Chris wanted it to be very intimate and romantic, but all of his ideas were shot down by production officials and Kim. The truth of this is that they filmed the original proposal, but Kim didn't like her hair makeup, how she looked, she didn't like the lighting, so they had to recreate it and make it all beautiful for television a couple of weeks later. Yeah, which does make more sense. I mean, you do have nearly 4 million people tuning into every episode. If I was being proposed in front of 4 (laughs) million people... You know what? I probably would want a bit of control over what I was looking like or how it was functioning. Also, I would add Kim gets made into a meme whenever she looks like she's crying or whenever she shows emotion that isn't the most stereotypically attractive emotion in the eyes of the public. So I don't blame her for being like, you know what? I need to take control of my image. Yeah, well, exactly. And I think we have to deviate from the timeline a little bit here just to have a chat about how this wasn't the only pivotal moment that the Kardashians have supposedly reshot and recreated just for the work of the show. So for cuts, Mariah Smith does some incredible work looking into this stuff and it's pretty amazing. There are scenes in season one about Chloe's DUI arrest, which are very famous scenes, Mish. Very, very famous scenes. She gets pulled over for being under the influence of alcohol. Now, when you look at the timeline of real life events, it is impossible that the scene we saw in Keeping Up With Kardashians was the legitimate real scene. So Chloe was arrested in March 2007, but filming for Keeping Up With The Kardashians season one didn't even begin until August. (laughs) Not ideal. So that particular episode was also titled Remembering Dad. And the whole explanation around Chloe getting behind the wheel while drunk, or at least while tipsy, was that she was struggling to deal with the death of her father, Robert Kardashian, and she was going through grief and acting out in ways that didn't quite make sense. 
But that explanation doesn't match up either because the anniversary of Robert Kardashian's death was in September and that was some six months after Chloe was actually arrested. I mean, shock horror, a lot of the storylines on Keeping Up With The Kardashians have been recreated and reshot, including both the DUI and the engagement. <laughs> it's a good refresher. It's, it's just a, a good reminder. It's a great reminder. So back to the actual engagement, though. Would you like to hear a little snippet of what Kardashian fans heard at the time? Mate, of course. Heard, watched, <laughs> saw <laughs> at the time. Do you know me? Of course I want to hear this. I chose her bedroom to ask her to marry her there because to me our love is simple and I don't want like all the distractions and everything crazy going around. I just want it to be in her home, quiet and perfect. I'm honestly speechless. It's so beautiful and it's so sweet and I just know Chris is so nervous. God, you got to love love. I mean, they are genuinely in love. You can tell that much. Yeah, and you, you can't not love love. Like, you simply can't do that. The family itself were relatively excited about this. And I say relatively because most of them were pretty mm. excited. Mm. Chloe wrote a blog post about the engagement, <laughs> which I'm not going to be able to portray over audio how many exclamation marks and capital letters are in this, <laughs> but just trust me. She wrote, you have no idea how happy it makes me to be able to say this. Kim is engaged. OMG. <laughs> it feels so good to let the secret out. Kimmy, the love you have is infectious and I love every second of this. Get excited, baby. We are about to celebrate. Chris, welcome to the fam. Just so you know, you married all of us. <laughs> oh God, it's true. You can't deny that. So as excited as Chloe was, we know that not every Kardashian family member was as stoked as she was. Chris Humphreys did ask Caitlyn Jenner for permission to marry Kim. And while Chris did get that permission, Caitlin told producers and film crews at the time that she simply wasn't sure if this was a union that was actually made in heaven. Like she was very honest and very transparent saying, I don't know if this is right. And that was from the very early days of them being together. Yeah, and there were other little litterings of times where the family sort of had their question marks about this union. I mean, there's one point where Chloe and Kris Jenner do discuss how Kim needs to get a prenup with Chloe explaining she will thank us later when she has a place to live. Again, smoke and mirrors that we have that quote from Chloe saying, you absolutely need a prenup. This marriage isn't going to last or at least insinuating that. But then outwardly in blog posts, she's saying like, this is the most exciting thing ever. I couldn't be more wrapped for you. And she was also at one point uninvited for the wedding for not being supportive enough. Yeah. So huge smoke and mirrors. I mean, Viewers of the show could actually see that Kim and Chris may not have been perfect. And I don't know if this is just us going back and watching this with hindsight, knowing they split, or if it was pretty obvious at the time. But the episode where Chris plans to propose to Kim is interrupted by a huge fight they have over money and their differing values. Mm -hmm. And I think their differing money values was something that continuously came to a head. In the car, Chris was accusing Kim of derailing his financial plan with her lavish spending and expensive tasting clothes and shoes. Kim him retaliated by remarking that he lived in something similar to a college dorm. Which I can see both of their points in this argument. It's a really interesting argument to watch and I actually give this argument more legitimacy than some of the curated storylines in the show because this was shot via a car camera. Like they almost had a camera on the dashboard of their car and this was an argument they were having that didn't seem to be planned for the show. It seemed to happen organically at the very least. I don't blame either of them. It's anyone's right to spend money how they want. But it's no secret that Kim Kardashian does spend and isn't afraid to spend. In their divorce proceedings, it was revealed that Kim Kardashian 
was, during their marriage, spending $27,250 per month on clothes alone. I mean, they also disagree about her keeping her name as Kardashian. Yeah, there was a big feminist disagreement, I would say. Kim was explaining to him that it was important for her to keep Kim Kardashian as her name, given that is the business and the brand that she has spent years building at this point. I mean, the show began in 2007. For three years, everyone knew her as Kim Kardashian. It would be a big deal for her to change to Kim Humphreys. He couldn't understand that, which I find really interesting. I always love these conversations because if if you flip it and go, well, I don't want to change my name and you find that difficult, but would you change your name for me? Often the response to come back is, no, I wouldn't. So yeah, it's so exactly. funny that Chris even had an issue with this. And also lucky she didn't because it would have been a very quick 72-day <laughs> name change. I mean, the last point just before they get married where tension was a little bit high or it became kind of clear that maybe they weren't completely well suited to one another is that they were at their own rehearsal dinner and Kim asked one of her friends about the friend's partner as well, did you hate each other because I hate him, every last thing annoys me, to which the camera pans to like him eating some ribs with his (laughs) hands or something. Despite everything, despite the glaring warning signs that perhaps these two people either shouldn't get married or shouldn't rush into getting married before they've even been together a year, the wedding did go ahead and they did get married. So they met in late 2010 for another refresher. They were married by August 20 the following year. They got married at a private estate in Montecito, California. Do you mind if we sidebar about all the lavish trimmings of this wedding? I would love to. Right. So Kim wore three Vera Wang dresses. The first was a white strapless gown with a puffy princess skirt. And she wore her hair back in this like very 2011 slicked back. It was super slick. Massive bun. Not a hair on her head was moving. She was flanked by her sisters, Courtney, Chloe, Kendall and Kylie, as well as Chris's sister, Kayla. And her mum and to Chris Jenner, and they all wore white strapless gowns as well. Exactly. After wearing the first dress for 30 minutes, she changed into this figure-hugging like mermaid gown for the majority of the reception. And then at the last minute, slipped into a dress that was kind of satin, very old Hollywood vibes. Yeah, she got it all in within her three dresses. It is worth keeping in mind. I mean, it's a lot of money spent on dresses, but it's definitely worth keeping in mind that according to the couple's wedding planner, Sharon Sachs, while the day would have cost $6 million if they had to shell out for everything themselves they didn't really pay anything on this wedding everything was either gifted or sponsored and so they actually made money on their big day yeah exactly and I think the entire wedding aesthetic was 2011 glam like there were like these luxury invitations that were like crystal embellished black and white engraved gatefold invitations to match the gigantic bejeweled cross that adorned the altar. It was very much the attitude of more is more is more is more. Yes. They also had a six foot tall cake that had 10 layers that if they had to pay for it would have cost $15,000. They also blew out their guest list to more than 450 people and tried to make it as star studded as possible as well. The list of celebs that got an invite to this wedding included Justin Bieber, Avril Lavigne, Christina Aguilera, Lindsay Lohan, Serena Williams, Demi Lovato, Ryan Seacrest, Eva Longoria and my fave, Robin Thicke. Oh, goodness, Robin Thicke. I mean, this was a big business move for Kim and the entire Kardashian family. Kim managed to capitalise off the nuptials by releasing a new iteration of her perfume (laughs) called Kim Kardashian Love. 
She managed to recoup every single cent they spent from production company E along with a long list of wedding day sponsors, which is exactly what you said, Mish. They were able to easily recoup costs on this. Yeah, well, I mean, August 20, 2011 was their wedding day, but it was also maybe the biggest payday of their careers so far. The Hollywood Reporter claimed that Kim was paid $1.5 million by People magazine for giving them exclusive rights to her photos. She was also paid much, much more reportedly by E! when she gave them the exclusive television rights and gave them the rights to kind of get no-holds-bar access to her wedding. Apparently, the profit from Kim Kardashian's wedding that was pocketed by both her and E! totaled $17.9 million. Yeah, it's a stupid amount of money. What we will get into over the next episode is, was this a big payday that was a PR stunt that did net them a lot of money or was this a wedding that they very much got caught up in as a business move when love was initially at the centre and they got really carried away? Any brand that wanted to advertise on E! during the wedding special mish had to pay $100,000 per spot. So this is like Super Bowl (laughs) level advertising. (laughs) The other thing that's really funny and very 2011 glam about this wedding is the gift registry. Kim and Chris's gift registry included a Baccarat Cosmos extra large vase that cost $7,500, Hermes presentation plates that came in at $304 each, a Torbalon black vase for $6,500 and a Lalique Ingrid black vase for $4,625. A fuckload of black vases. I mean, just in that sentence, there's like $17,000, $18,000 worth of vases. <laughs> I didn't even know that vases were worth that much money. Also a clock worth $1,100. So random. Also imagine Kim Kardashian of today owning a single black vase or like a single black interior thing. She is all about the creams and the beiges and the whites these days. I know. This is why this wedding is like in such stark contrast to who she is today. Before we move on from this, we absolutely need to hear the wedding vows. Of course we do. I obviously have the snippet waiting for you. <laughs> Here is a snippet of Kim and Chris saying their I do's, if that's what we call them. Their I, our I do's. Their I do's, our I do's. Whatever, they're getting married. <laughs> Chris, Kim, it's time now for you to share your vows with each other. Kim, repeat after me. Chris, I love you. Chris, I love you. I take you to be my wedded husband. And take you to be my wedded husband. To have and to hold from this day forward. To have and to hold from this day forward. Till death do us part. Till death do us part. Chris, repeat after me. Kim is a symbol of my love for you. Kim is a symbol of my love for you. With this ring. With this ring. I be wet. I be wet. Kim, repeat after me. Chris is a symbol of my love for you. Chris is a symbol of my love for you. With this ring. With this ring. I be wet. I be wet. Once they got married, the media almost instantly started referring to them as the hump Dashians. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it and I love it, I'm like in equal measure. The week after the wedding, this is one of my favourite parts of this story, People magazine published their exclusive photos of the wedding and they copped a bit of flack because they only put Kim Kardashian on the cover. They didn't put Chris anywhere near the cover. So on the cover they paid $1.5 million for, they just had this headline as well, Kim's wedding album, as if there was no one else in the wedding. In response to this, People's assistant editor Jen Garcia told Access Hollywood Live, we sorted through thousands of pictures. It's all about the bride. We wanted her. It's her day. We wanted her on the cover. Yikes. Imagine not even squeezing your name in. It's not Kim and Chris's wedding album, just Kim's wedding album. Garcia did explain 
Chris has got a little height on her, which is true. It's kind of tough to get them in the same shot. Isn't that what Photoshop is for? Yeah, 100%. This is your job as photo editors. You had a whole week to sort through the photos. Also, there are photos that we could find on the internet of Kim standing on steps next to Chris where they look like comparable heights. Well, like if Kim and Chris, let's say they actually did last the 10 years and were still married. I imagine they'd be the kind of couple that would want their wedding photos framed on their wall. They're not going to fit in the same frame if she's not standing on steps in some of these images. So they would have had to have sorted the height difference in many of the photos that were taken on the wedding day. (sighs) People magazine did run 11 pages on the wedding alone. So, I mean, I don't blame them. They did really try to cash in on this massive investment they made. It is worth noting that while the wedding itself did happen in August, Keeping Up With The Kardashian fans did not see anything on the show until October of that year. And boy, was that wedding special hyped. Yeah, it was really hyped. So Kim and Chris even went on the Allen show to renew their vows. This is the weird thing. I'm sure that the heads at E! and the heads at the Allen show were like, we need an angle to promote this wedding. It's been like, what, August to October, a couple of months Obviously, let's get them to renew their vows and make some kind of headline story angle out of that. They had to do something because there would have been a bit around in August when they initially got married. The photos then came out a week later from people. How do you renew interest by not just regurgitating (laughs) the same storyline? Hey, let's just renew our vows. What's funny about this appearance on Ellen is when they're sitting down with Ellen and Ellen asks them about their life together, she asked where are you going to settle down together? And it's a bit of an awkward response because they both kind of say different things. Yeah. Chris said, we will move wherever I play and did suggest that Minnesota could offer some reprieve from the praying paps as if that is ever a place that Kim Kardashian would want to go away from the paps. (laughs) And that was just before Kim counted by saying that they will be bi-coastal, I will move back and forth wherever he plays. That quote from Chris Humphreys makes me think he didn't even know the woman he married. Surely anyone could tell that a woman who opted in to a reality show about her life, who was gaining massive fame because of that reality show, does not want to live in Minnesota. Like, did he even know who Kim Kardashian was when he was her husband? Well, as if she wants to get away from the prying paps when she has relationships with all of the paparazzi in order to stay in the tabloids. Staying in the tabloids is her job. And, And it's also like, I'm sorry... The subtle sexism of we'll move wherever I play. Like my career is clearly going to take the front seat. She's just going to have to get in the back. I don't even think it's subtle sexism. I think it's like outright sexism. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the wedding special finally aired on October 10 and 11. It was called Kim's Fairytale Wedding, a Kardashian event. It aired in two parts, each spanning <laughs> for two hours. <laughs> And it was less than two months after the wedding itself. I mean, genius stuff to split this into. Genius. And they really did pump it. Like they clearly knew, okay, we have enough content for one episode, but because brands are paying us so much money, let's stretch it across two. And let me say, part one of this wedding special (laughs) is truly some rolled gold shit from the Kardashian family. There's a big storyline about Kris Jenner needing to get cosmetic surgery so that she looks her best on her daughter's big day. Was it cosmetic surgery on her neck though? Yeah, so she got her neck skin tightened, which is totally up to her. If that's what you want to do, go for it. But for that to be a central (laughs) storyline in the first episode, I'm just squinting out a little bit. I mean, that is about as Kardashian as it gets, doesn't (laughs) it? The Keeping Up fans lapped it up though. Like they genuinely soaked in every second. More than 2 million people watched part one on the evening that it aired and practically everyone tuned in back for part two the following night. Yeah, so Keeping Up fans lapped it up, but little did they know just 21 days later, everything would be heavy 
headed for disaster. 21 days, so three weeks after the public, big Kardashian fans sit there, watch these two people say they love each other, that they want to do forever together. They're done. We bought the narrative and 21 days later, it was all over. But that Zara McDonald is something we will be discussing on next week's episode. Yeah, we are going to leave it there. Coming up on next week's show, the breaking of the Humpdashians, how it all <laughs> fell apart. This episode was researched by us, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. You have been listening to Scandal by Shameless Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with when new episodes drop, just hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. Every Monday, we will be bringing you a new Scandal episode. And on Thursdays, we will be keeping you up to date on the week that was in pop culture. If you want to chat about this episode, come follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. Come and comment on our Kim Kardashian carousel of all the best looks of 2010 (laughs) and 2011. But for now, we will be back in your ears on Thursday. Bye. See ya. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.